Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So electrostatic sprayer, first of all, it has a EPA list N disinfectant in it, which is required in the protocols uh, to properly clean any surfaces. The electrostatic, obviously electric means, as you can see, it works simply like this. It sprays. We'll use these in the meal room, in the players rooms. Uh, we won't spray it on the food, of course. Um, it, it will keep us safer. Looks like they've retrofitted some sort of a kid's water gun for the purposes of spraying disinfected at the Vikings facility. That's head athletic trainer Eric Sugarman of the Vikings, and he's also their primary employee responsible for the COVID-19 coordination and protocols. Peter King was in Minnesota last week. He joins us now. Good morning, Peter King. Hello again, Chris Sims. Hello to everyone out there who's enjoying the program on NBCSN, listening on Sirius XM 211, watching the program on Sky Sports, and we are on Sky Sports' main event right now, which apparently is a pretty big deal as Sky Sports goes. So, guys, no swearing today. That's the kiss of death. Uh, I've just guaranteed it's going to happen from both of you and maybe me included, Peter. But before before that happens, <laughs> tell us about your trip to Minnesota. Well, you know, I really had no idea what to expect, Mike, uh, I, other than a clean environment. If somebody's going to let you into their training facility you have a pretty good idea that they're going to have the, they're going to put their best foot forward. This is the first time I've been on an airplane in 137 days. Uh, all of that went well. The traveling went fine. And at the Vikings facility, what was so interesting to me, and I wrote about this in my column in Football Morning in America, is that the first thing I see is that poor Mike Zimmer, this coach of the Vikings, he doesn't have a parking space anymore because there are, there's a huge trailer parked there, and in that trailer are four medical technicians in four bays ready to take your mid-nasal swab and your COVID-19 test. Obviously, now we know for the first two weeks of training camp in the NFL, these will be daily tests. 
then after that, it's just touring the facility. I'd say the two points that really stood out to me is that if you've been in a modern NFL locker room, you know that these things are Taj Mahal's, they're palaces. The Minnesota Vikings locker room is 6,500 square feet. That's twice the size of most Midwest suburban American homes. But, but you go in there and they've already taken out all of the couches in this place, which is so beautiful. And they have made it so that every locker has two empty lockers around it. So it's just every other locker that is, uh, you know, going to be occupied. So that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is that I think every team is going to have this issue, particularly in facilities that are not as lavish and not as new as the Vikings facility is. Here's the problem. Meeting space. So it is going to be a rule in every facility in the country that no one ever sits within six feet of someone else. So imagine that. Like they had an offensive line meeting room that used to be able to fit 20 people. And now, you know, that's been cut almost in half. The linebackers, a 14-seat room, now is going to be a maximum of eight. So that is the kind of thing. One of the team meeting rooms for the Minnesota Vikings is going to be chairs out on their indoor practice field. So those are the kind of things. But again, look, you knew, you knew this was not going to be a normal year uh, under any circumstances, and that's what I found on my trip to Minnesota. Level of 1 to 10, with 10 being the highest, how safe do you think an environment like that is going to be as it relates to limiting the spread of the virus, understanding that eventually they're going to be on a football field where they're all intermingling their breath and their coughing and their spit and whatever. But in the facility itself, how safe do you think the players will feel? They should feel nine at least if they obey the rules. Um, and, and again, Mike, look, here, here's the issue. You know, there are two, there's two issues, actually. You know, players basically, if, if even if they test in the morning and they're going to get the results back. They're not going to get the results back for 24 hours. So you could, you could be positive and just not be told you were positive. You could go out on a practice field. You could have your hands on other players. At some point, it's going to be football, okay? And so other people could then, you know, uh, obviously become symptomatic because of contact with you. But just as far as the facility itself, it, you know, you, I, I told Eric Sugarman when I left there, I said, man, you can eat off the floor in here and, and you really can. That, that part of it is going to be fine. It's what happens at practice when people are putting their hands on each other and what happens after 5 p.m., Mike? What happens if, you know, rookies... 22, 23, young players, any player just even goes out to an innocent dinner or goes out to a bar or whatever. It, you know, that is what the risk is. These NFL players are not going to be in a bubble. So, Peter, here's my big question. I mean, because it sounds like you, you, you think the medical people and everybody like that are optimistic, you know, but I want to dive into a little bit about, you know, the coaching aspect. And I don't know how much conversation you got there, but – 
you know, what's the overall feeling you're getting, whether it was in Minnesota or other coaches right now? Because that, that's something we brought up earlier in the show. Like, what do you do when half your offensive line room has to be in another room? How are they going to deal with some of these issues that, you know, you're talking about with the, the social distancing and all that? I think most teams, Chris, are going to do a lot of, uh, you know, Zoom and Microsoft Teams video conferencing. Right. They're going to have, I think most teams will have their big team meetings, uh, maybe after the first one. I think they're going to have their big team meetings on video conference. Uh, just because, especially in training camp, you can't have 80 people in the same place unless, as I say, you put 100 chairs uh, spaced out all over a practice field and you have the coach with a microphone so everybody can hear him. I could see that. But, Chris, I think the biggest issue that, and you raised this issue, I think the 16-person practice squads, as Mike wrote about yesterday, the 16-person practice squads, in my opinion, are really going to have to almost be quarantined in and of themselves. If I was a coach and I was going to bring a guy on the practice squad, I would have rules for guys on the practice squad, almost liberty-limiting rules on the practice squad. Hey, at the end of the day today, you go back to your hotel room. We're going to pay for you to get room service dinner and room service breakfast. We don't want you leaving the room. you know. And those are the kind of things they're going to have to do. What are you going to do with your backup quarterback? I don't think your backup quarterback should be within 20 feet of anybody during the course of, of, the, uh, of the day. you know, Because you know, he's got to be ready. He's one of the most important guys on your roster now. Your third string quarterback now, in my opinion, has to be the scout team quarterback, not the backup quarterback. Your backup quarterback has to be kept in a pristine environment, in my opinion. And the one other thing that you mentioned, yeah, I think that when you have a practice squad now, you have to think about it mentally that if one position group on your team gets gets really savaged right you need to be specifically smart about each one of those position groups and on your practice squad whether you want to have two or three linebackers on that or not you have to have it because if your linebackers get decimated you got to be ready to play okay so my just my follow-up to all that because that was great stuff and i know you know a lot of coaches in football you know how how far down the line do we think coaches are right now and fortifying some of their plans? And also on that, like how, how frustrated are the coaches that they don't really know the rules of what's going to be going on here at training camp quite yet. I talked to one coordinator on Friday, Chris, and I asked him, Hey, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. And I was just kind of throwing out a, a fishing line. He goes, I don't know when I'm going back to work. I don't know when practice is going to start. We have not had a single, any indication uh, from their head coach, you know, when practice is going to start. And especially for teams who are in, that are in flux. Right. Like, what do you do, for instance, if you're the Patriots? Somebody asked me over the week, uh, yesterday, so you really don't think that Cam Newton is a lock to start? And I said, no, I don't. I mean, 
Josh McDaniels has not been in Cam Newton's presence. Right. And it's July 21st, whatever it is today. I mean, they don't even know he seems healthy, but they haven't been with him in practice. And now when are they going to be with him in practice? And Chris, imagine you're an NFL coach and you're told the first 21 days of training camp, you haven't had any practice, any anything in the offseason. The first 21 days of training camp, at least that's what the proposal was. The first 21 days of training camp are all strength and conditioning. You know, you're not going to have a legitimate football practice until the middle of August. And three and a half weeks later, by the way, you open your season. No one's touched anybody. (laughs) No one's put on a pad. It's crazy. And now you've got to play games. This is going to be a season unlike any other season. And Chris, I'll just tell you one other quick thing. Yeah. I I had an executive the other day tell me flat out, he said, this is the year that I will not be remotely surprised if the Detroit Lions are holding the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the year. Nothing against the Detroit Lions, but I doubt many people are picking them to win the Super Bowl. His whole point was very simple. What team is going to handle COVID the best? What happens if if some teams are ravaged by it? And what happens if some teams are relatively untouched by it? Those are the teams, I think, that have the best chance to win. Peter, one thing that hit me between the eyes yesterday when I read Football Morning in America, beyond the fact that Mike Zimmer lost his parking space to the Bioreference Laboratories trailer, just the fact that there is a dedicated facility in the parking lot of the Vikings where the players are going to enter to be tested every day, and every team is going to have something like this, and every team is going to have at least 120 tests per day, and those are going to be turned around on a 24-hour basis. And Chris and I were talking about this last hour. The league has glossed over the ethical question of this collective drain on resources that otherwise could be devoted to members of the general public who are symptomatic, who want their test results, who need their test results, We're going to have the NFL cutting the line every day, every day, every day with all the players, the coaches, the trainers, the tier one and tier two personnel. Have you gotten any sense that people in the league are concerned about it? Have you got any sense or even aware of this of this impact that football is necessarily going to have on testing generally at a time when testing is more necessary than ever? So, Mike, you ask a great question. There's going to be early on in training camp, there will be about 5,800 tests per day devoted to NFL players and team personnel. That's a lot. I think the question that would have to be asked is, and and we in, in our little bailiwicks, I think just don't really know the answer, but let's just say for the sake of argument that Bioreference Laboratories was did not get this contract for the NFL. Would they then be taking those 5,800 tests per day that are devoted to NFL personnel? And would those 5,800 tests be used in, let's say, suburban Houston, which is right now on fire, or in Phoenix, or all over the state of Florida, which is on fire? That's the thing I don't know. And if, if you could tell me, assuredly, that those tests would be devoted to some of the places in the country that obviously need to have a ramp up in testing 
then I would say, you know, a pox on the NFL. I just don't know well, if but, that but, is the but, case. But here's the thing, Peter. Whoever they're using to collect the samples, whoever they're using to test the samples, those are people that could be devoting their time to testing the members of the general could public. Could be. Could that, be. So, You're right about that, but, Mike. But, but why wouldn't they, they be? be? Why wouldn't they be? But what else are they going to be know. doing if they're I don't know the, the people who would be providing those services to the NFL are able and available to provide the services to members of the general public. Anything you do with the people who are there to do that work is necessarily taking them away from the general public. Or would it just be more corporations d- taking it away? So you don't know that either. I mean, to me, hey, we're flawed. The whole setup in the country is messed up. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and just blame the NFL for doing this because I know there's other corporations and businesses that are starting to go down this line too. So I I don't, that, that to me is the biggest thing. Like I hear you, Mike, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I just, you know, there doesn't seem to be a law of the land on any of this right now. And we're just kind of winging it. Can I, can I just make one other point about this? Look, if, and this is a big, if, if it is deemed that the NFL, I'm not saying the NFL is an essential business. Obviously, it isn't. But if it is deemed that the NFL is going to play football, okay, one of the essential things that happens, and I agree with daily testing, okay, if it's going to happen, if the NFL is going to play, this is one of the things that has to happen. So if it does have to happen, then you have to accept the fact that 5,800 tests per day for now are going to be taken up by NFL teams. Now, that'll eventually uh, be reduced to about 4,000, but still, and it may not be every day, but still, it's a monstrous number of tests. And I get the cynical aspect of it, but if people want to watch NFL football this fall, they have to mentally get it straight in their heads that they, the players are going to have to be tested almost daily and they're it's going to have to happen for six months peter i am 95 percent certain i read this in your column yesterday but i read your column at 4 a.m so i may be misremembering do you have a sense as to when the technology is going to get to the point where they can do a mouth swab and a faster turnaround for nfl players because that would seem to be the key to me we still have that donut hole of 24 hours before you get your result it's essential do is when, when will we get to that point? Have you gotten a sense that that's coming at some point during football season? They, hey, I, the NFL and the Players Association believe there's a very good chance that a reliable, fairly instant test, 10 or 15 minutes, that a reliable test, daily test, is coming. But right now, they just don't feel the, uh, the science is reliable enough for this test to happen. So they can't use it right now. And I I don't think I, I, if I wrote anything about it, I wrote a sentence, but they just don't have that saliva test right now or the pinprick test right now that that they feel is even remotely reliable peter you know like you mentioned just a little earlier i mean hey we got we got the testing process we're getting used to all these type of things and the social distancing all of it you know the proposal of maybe three weeks of just training before that or, or did you hear anybody in minnesota or other coaches i don't want you to like blame anybody or anything like that but do, do you get a sense that executives and football people want things pushed back as far as the start of the regular season? I, I don't 
uh, Chris, I, I didn't get that sense. And the reason that I didn't get that sense is because I think, I, I'm sure there are some coaches, <coughs> excuse me, who would love to see it get pushed back. But the problem is, Pushing it back benefits what? It be, you're going to be more ready to play football, but you're going to be pushing it back into what could be and what we've all been told by Dr. Fauci and others is going to be another wave of this disease. Kyle Rudolph of the Vikings told me something very interesting. I said, what do you fear? And he said, I, I don't have any. He's got kids. He said, I don't fear going in there. I, I totally trust what the union and and the league and, and, and our athletic trainers, including uh, Eric Sugarman, are going to do. But he said, what I fear is an interruption of the season. Right. Because we're all going to be in good enough shape, maybe not right away, okay, but we're all going to be in football shape. And whatever shape everybody's in, we're going to be in the season and all that. And then <clears throat> if we have to go home and quarantine for three or four weeks and we can't work out in our, in our normal gym – most guys don't have gyms in their houses. And so, you know, what is going to happen if after four weeks, the NFL takes a pause for four weeks and then comes back? How do you do that? That is the biggest reason. And, and Chris, I'll say one other thing. There is a coach in this league who basically, my, I was told by one of the executives on the team, who's basically taking a totally don't worry, be happy approach to this because he said this is the classic test of control what you can control right and if you're a head coach in the league right now you know that the vast majority of the normal controllable things are now out of your control so his whole point basically as verbalized to me by a member of his executive staff is that he just says hey guys it's going to be the same idiotic rules for everybody else. So let's just go out and do what we can and try our best to win. Peter, last thing for me here. I, I, I'm done. This is one thing that just popped up as you've kind of talked about this. Are the you know are they ready for the time constraints that are going to happen here? Like, are they going to have like 90 guys? Okay, what if 90 guys all show up in that tent right away in the morning? Are they all you know just going to wait in line until they get tested? Or are they going to have you know times for guys to come in? Because in the NFL, if you have eight o'clock team meeting, you know a lot of guys show up at 7:40 and things like that. So what's going to happen? I guess there. And then the next thing I want to know is 90 guys in training camp and the showering situation. I'm not trying to be a pervert here. But showering in a normal facility is hard. You know, that, that to me is something that we haven't talked about. How are they going to work that out, too? Sorry, I know I don't mean to ask you everything, but you're the great wizard of the NFL, well, so I figure you got to answer. No, no. I, and, and Chris, I'll just tell you this. I, you know, although I did not get swabbed the other day when I was at the Vikings, um, this, I, I think each one of these tests is going to take less than 30 seconds. Right. Um, and so I believe that they're just going to tell players, I should have asked this question, but I believe they're just going to tell players, Hey, look, show up at seven o'clock and, or maybe they'll do position groups, you know, linebackers, seven o'clock running back seven Oh five. Right. However. Right. Okay. And you ask about the, uh, the shower. Yeah. This I found very interesting. All right. So in the Vic, I actually walked into the, 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 the shower area of their locker room. And what's going to happen is that every other shower head 
is going to be removed. It wasn't removed the other day, but every other showerhead is going to be capped so that there's going to be, in fact, about 10 feet in between each person who is showering. Gotcha. And so that really is going to be weird because you're right. You can't all shower at once. There just isn't going to be enough, uh, enough resources to all shower at once. So I do think that that is going to have to be staggered when actual practice and drills end for everybody on the team. <laughs> Peter, excellent work last week in Minnesota. We look forward to what else you will be bringing to the table. Now the football morning in America is back following your annual vacation. Uh, I learned a lot. It was, it was uh, a great, great read, and uh, we appreciate some of your time this morning. We'll talk to you soon. Do the map, Peter. Good to be on with you guys. There he is, Peter King, Football Morning in America. Check it out if you haven't. There is great stuff there. And when we return, you know, it's been a while since Cam Newton joined the Patriots. Peter made reference to Cam Newton not even being in the presence of Josh McDaniels yet. When we return, we're going to talk about how it may go for Cam Newton wearing number one with a team that knows a thing or two about finishing the season number one. We'll do that next right here on PFT Live. To me, this is like one of the ultimate boomer bust moves in the history of the NFL right here. That's how I look at it. And I'm going to go like 80 boom, 20 bust, okay? But I think ultimately in my heart of hearts, I think we're going to see more boom here because I think Cam Newton is highly motivated. I think he is smart. I think New England's done their due diligence on this guy to know that he can fit there. And then ultimately, I think McDaniels and Belichick will whittle out the things he's not good at. Chris Sims from his podcast last week discussing Cam Newton to the Patriots. It was something that happened just a couple of days after we commenced our three-week hiatus. Out of the blue, this is the typical Patriot move. Nobody thought the Patriots were interested. They had plenty of opportunities to show interest. Oh, the Patriots aren't interested. Oh, the Patriots are fine uh, with the guys they have. And then all of a sudden, Cam Newton is a Patriot. And everybody's like, well, that makes sense. We should have seen that one coming, Chris. What was your first thought when you saw cam newton headed to new england like shock but then i was like well why am i shocked like what, what i mean this is it's just so new england you know, oh yeah oh yeah we'll just get a guy that's you know what i think is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in football for a million dollars and add him to our team it's just like they waited everybody out they thought i'm sure they did their research called talked to all the right people I mean, knowing New England, I wouldn't be shocked if they had him followed, really, to really watch him and see what's going on and see what he looks like in workouts. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked by any of it. Um, but, you know, of course, I'm intrigued. Yes, I mean, Cam Newton's a special talent. And he is, you know, a guy that I think New England, they could have a, a tremendous boom factor here. Yeah, I think it's one of those things I look at and go, like, it's either going to be like, New England in the AFC championship game, or he won't win the starting job and Jared Siddham will beat him out. You know, Jared Siddham's not going to lay down here. I know that he's got talent. They like him. I think what they just said is, Hey, we can keep this guy for a few more years. And there's this other guy that's a proven commodity that like can take over games by himself. And yeah, he's been hurt, but let's try him out because we still got this guy Stidham in our back pocket for as long as we want. So we're in a no wins or no lose situation here, really. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, this has a chance to be special, but I'm not 100% sold on that it will be because it's going to be tough in this year. And that offense, as I've told you before, is the toughest offense to learn in all of football. Two factors. Two, well, actually, let me give you three factors yeah. now that you've mentioned the offense. I'm going to start with the offense. Yeah. 
I don't necessarily think that he's going to be learning the Patriots offense. I think the offense is going to adapt to him. I agree Josh that. Yeah. is the guy who drafted Tim Tebow back in 2010, created an offense that later was used when Tebow was the starter after McDaniels was fired because yes. it all fell apart for And him remember in when Jacoby Brissett played, Mike, they ran kind of that same type of offense too when he had to come in for Jimmy Garoppolo the year Brady was suspended. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there. No, you're fine. Yeah. But they're not going to take they're not going to take the square peg and cram it into the round no. hole. They're going to have an offense that Cam Newton is able to run if he can win the job. Number 2, is he healthy? That's going to be the key more than anything else. He passed the physical. They they kind of took a leap of faith in doing the deal when the agents represented to the Patriots that Cam Newton is good to go. But if he's healthy, then we, we get maybe Cam Newton of 2015. Who knows? And then the key ultimately is going to be, and this is a point that Peter King made earlier, Josh McDaniels has never been in Cam Newton's presence. We don't know if they're going to get along. We don't know what kind of a relationship they're going to have. We don't know whether or not that aspect of it will work. Now, we think it will work because of the way the Patriots played this. They allowed circumstances to beat Cam Newton down to the point where he was ready to take anything. And when you look at the contract he took with a base of $1.05 million and a high end of $7.5 million, we broke down the incentives. He has to have essentially league MVP, Super Bowl MVP type season to get the $7.5 million. And if that happens, it'll be the greatest investment in the history of sports because they will have won the Super Bowl before he gets $7.5 million. Um, you know, look, it's, he's, he's motivated. Yes. He's determined. And even if year two or year three with Josh McDaniels wouldn't work, I think year one's going to work because they're getting Cam Newton with the absolute perfect mindset to come in and do everything that's asked of him and and prove everyone wrong that looked the other way when Cam Newton became available. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I agree with just about everything you said there. And, you know, back to the playbook stuff, you know, I mean, you're right. You know, that's kind of what I said there on the podcast. They're going to formulate the offense around him, no doubt. And, you know, people got to realize these plays – you know, they're already in New England. The, the Cam Newton-type plays are already in the New England playbook. Now, with Tom Brady, a quarterback. Tom Brady doesn't use them. Well, yeah, they might, have been a, they might have been at page 180 on the playbook when he was a quarterback. <laughs> now they'll bump them up a 100 pages. But all of this is there. And then nobody in the history of football is better at building off of what you do good and then figuring out the formula. Listen, in my, in my, one of my big things I said in my first reaction to this whole thing was I truly think this team is built to play Cam Newton football more than it is to play, let's just say, Tom Brady football. And when I say that, I mean spread the field out, throw the ball, quick decisions, you know, the things we've seen Brady dissect people with forever. They're not really made for that right now. But running the ball, guys like Muhammad Sanu, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, who have like special skill sets where you can run them, they can throw it, you can have a lot of movement and things like that within your offense. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential here. And I, I think New England, you know, like I said, I, I'm betting on boom. I really am. I'm with you there. I'm betting on boom. Uh, I just, just a little bit of a bust factor for me. Remember when we were counting down the quarterbacks from 40 up to number one, somewhere in the high teens, there was a line of demarcation between the guys who are very adept at running the play that's called and the guys who, if the play that's called goes to hell in a handbasket, can make something happen. Newton was on the right side of that. So this is an element that the Patriots have not had. With Tom Brady, it's pre-snap reads, 
decisions made quickly, ball gets out quickly. Right. If the play begins to fall apart, it's bailout before you get blown up. Cam Newton is going to be able to extend and improvise and develop, and that's what we've seen the Patriots struggle with when they face a guy like Cam Newton. And by the way, get your PFT bingo cards ready. Cam Newton, 2-0, and all-time <laughs> against Bill Belichick. Bingo! Hey, how, I mean, in hindsight, why? Yeah, look, I know why it took so long. It took so long because they knew – they knew they could get him on better terms if yeah, they waited. Exactly. One of the issues that came up last week, they resolved longstanding grievances with Antonio Brown and Aaron Hernandez's estate and create $7 million in cap space. Yeah, right after they get Cam Newton's ink dry on the contract, after they told him, sorry, this is all we have, they get $7 million in fresh cap dollars that he could have said, I want those. This is why the Patriots have six Super Bowl trophies. They know how to hatch a plan. They know how to implement a plan. They know how to keep their mouths shut, and they get the guy. If other teams knew what Bill Belichick was thinking of doing, somebody else would have jumped on Cam Newton before Belichick could have gotten him. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yes. And, hey, they had a situation where at the quarterback situation, I think it was one of the easier ones to accept a Cam Newton in, on the team too, right, Mike? I think that's the other thing. And I, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, but they have a guy that, at least in the locker room, people like and think has potential, but he's not like, oh, this is our starter, and then, oh, crap, Cam Newton's crapping all over him every day in practice, and now you devise the locker room. You know, this would be one of those things where I think the team can accept it pretty quick. Once they see Cam Newton out there and he knows the offense, they're going to be like, whoa, okay, we got a stud, here we go, and they're going to be completely fine with him being the starting quarterback with Stedham being oh. unproven to this point. All those guys who were praising Jared Stidham's potential quickly pivoted to praise Cam Newton's performance, and it will not be a schism in the New England locker room when Cam Newton finally shows up. All right, yesterday we did a draft of defensive players with whom we'd start a franchise. We're going to flip it over today to offensive players with a twist. No quarterbacks. It would be very easy with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks out the window, non-quarterback offensive players with whom we'd start a franchise. We'll do that next year on Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner... Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. 
Yesterday, we did the defensive players with whom we would start a franchise. Uh, my picks were better than Chris's picks. We've had them, we have them all over social media, so you can react. No, correct. Absolutely correct, Amundo. You can check them out everywhere on social media. All right, let's do it today for the offensive side of the ball. Quarterbacks excluded. Offensive players with whom we'd start a franchise. Chris, you've got a trivia question for me. Yeah, I do. And I don't think your picks were better than me yesterday. I almost want to ask you to put up a poll right now. I think I would win that poll. Here we go. Two rookies have won NFL uh, MVP. Two rookies have won NFL MVP. Can you name one of them? Gale Sayers. Oh, so close. It was a running back, but Jim Brown and Earl Campbell. Yeah, the wow. Tyler Rose they used to call Earl Campbell. I, I object 55 years later on Gale Sayers' behalf. He should have been the MVP in 1965. Do, you, do I, we know who the MVP was in 1965? Uh, mm, I have not no, Gale Sayers. No, I'm. Not, do you, do you know? Gale I mean, Sayers I'm just saying it's like Bart Starr or somebody like that. I don't know. Here's what'll happen. Yeah, I, I'll say that I will look it up in a break, and we'll let everyone know before the end of the show, and then I'll forget to do it. So. We'll we'll look it up during a break. No, it was Jim, Jim Brown in Jim Brown in '65 too. Okay, we don't yeah. have to worry. He yeah. dominated so, that award for a while. All right, all right, go ahead, take right. the pick. Here we go. Mm, this is it's this is good. I'm gonna go with George Kittle as my first pick right now to start a franchise. That's gonna be my guy. Was that gonna be your first pick? I was like kind of gonna. He was on my list. Yeah, he was I was on gonna, my list, I was especially this in, year. I was gonna lay in the weeds here, but I was like, I don't know. Florio might take him first, so uh, I am gonna take George Kittle. First off, special. I mean, special player. You know that. It's one of the best blocking tight ends in football, which is remarkable because he has to eat like Panda Express four times a day to be 248 pounds. And then we know what he can do in the pass game. You know, this is the best tight end in the game. And to me, you know, with a guy like Kittle to start your franchise, you're getting somebody that can affect both areas of your offense if you were starting a franchise with. So he'll help your run game. And of course, he'll help your pass game. And he'll help everything else too. bring energy to the field every day because he's a psycho in a good way, just as you're seeing in this clip. And uh, he's that kind of guy you want to start your franchise with. In a season without fans in the stands, I want him on the field because right? he's going to get everyone going no matter what. He's got that Brian Dawkins element to him where he's yeah. just going to get you fired up before the game. So he was on my list. I don't know that I would have taken him first, probably second, but it's moot now because you have taken him first overall. I'm going Christian McCaffrey. How yeah. can you not go Christian McCaffrey? Christian McCaffrey I went George does it all. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, and today my draft is going to be better than your draft. Christian McCaffrey, the first 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver, uh, since Marshall Falk, Roger Craig, the only other one to do it. He's in his prime right now, and uh, he's happy with his contract, and he's in position to come out and make a huge difference. The problem is he's on a team that is going to have a hard time being competitive this year, but if I'm starting a franchise, running back, hey, I, t I kill two birds with one stone if I get Christian McCaffrey because he's going to be catching passes, and he's going to be running the ball, and he's going to be helping me win games. Yeah, all right. It's, it's hard to really argue with that. I mean, here this is where I'm not sure if I want to go lineman here or if I want to go, like, wide receiver and do something like that. That's where I'm a little stuck. Um, I, I, hmm. I'm, I'm going to go lineman. I'm going to give some love to, th to the big guys, all right? I'm going to go to the guy that I think is the best left tackle in the game right now, and that's Ronnie Stanley uh, for, for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, you can never go wrong with that. Again, hey, we know def you want to protect a quarterback. You want to give, you know, running backs holes, anything like that. 
we don't talk about linemen enough uh, as far as their their what they do to a team and a game and those battles that are won up front. And that's why Baltimore is amazing because they got a lot of good offensive linemen who can dominate. But Ronnie Stanley, to me, a guy that's great in the run game, and it doesn't matter who you got as a pass rusher, he can handle them off the edge. So he'd be a guy I'd look at, you know, a la the Jacksonville Jaguars taking a Tony Baselli. If I had to start one, I'd go with Stanley right now. Yeah, here's why I don't have any linemen on my list because you're a you hater a of big off- people. That's no, why. No, no. no. You, other, other than you, no. They're, <laughs> uh, you can have one great offensive lineman, and what's that going to do for you? You, 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 you need to have all good to great offensive linemen, or that one great offensive lineman doesn't mean well, anything. No, Look at Joe thank Thomas you, Captain Obvious. We know that. Yeah, but I'm going to start right. with one. Re- so, I'm going to start I'm, with a great I'm, one before I get there. I'm starting a franchise with a guy whose greatness is going to stand out regardless of whether or not we are able to round out the roster around him. I can't believe you've left Tyree Kill on the board this long. He's your number one receiver. And look, because of the speed, the stop and the start, the extra attention he commands, he is today's Randy Moss. Now, look, he doesn't have the same size. I, I think that Moss was better than Tyree Kill, but Tyree Kill's got the explosion he, he's the, the constant threat. Every team wants that threat. He is that threat that keeps you constantly watching him and accounting for him and opening up the rest of the offense. So, uh, you know, I don't need to have another great receiver if I have Tyree Kill. If I have Ronnie Stanley, I still need to have another great lineman or my quarterback's going to be dead. So give me Tyree Kill. This is shaping up to be a very good day. Yeah, good good, good pick. I mean, yes, uh, he is the guy who I was thinking about, you know, when I was talking about, do I go to a receiver, offensive line? But you're right. You know, and again, you know, I, I've seen people, you know, on, on social media and things like that, like, oh, you know, he's not a good or as a route runner as some of the other guys on, on, the, on my top 10 list or whatever. Who gives a damn? What is route running? Look at what his route running is here. Run straight and run by everybody. Oh, great. Give him the ball and let him run straight. <laughs> Who the hell cares about his route running? He's got a skill, like you're saying, that is great, that overcomes some of the deficiencies he might have as a player. I mean, come on. He's a difference maker. He's not even a wide receiver. He's a weapon. So I'm with you. I didn't think you'd do it. I didn't think you'd take him. That's why I left him there. Um, all There's right. There's plenty of great route runners that run a 4-8. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. All right. I'm, I'm going to go with Michael Thomas then, my next guy I mean he's in the prime of his career you know and I'm you know for a lot of the same reasons you know Michael Thomas he's dependable he's tough he's gonna bring attitude to your team you know talk about it he catches everything that's in his vicinity and you know he's a guy that you can formulate an offense around like we're seeing so yeah if I'm starting an organization and you know I'm the coach or whatever I know I got enough good plays in my playbook that I can get him the ball and he's the guy that you can depend on to get open against anybody let alone the thing that's so impressive is when he's covered, he still catches the ball so much. It's, it's truly phenomenal. You know, he's one of the best, in, as we see in this highlight right there, one of the best in-traffic wide receivers I've ever seen, really. He's totally fearless, so I'll go with Michael Thomas. Yeah, I, look, I, 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 Thomas, how does Thomas number three on your receiver list behind Julio Julio's Jones, too Thomas old. I can't Jones. start him as a – I don't want to start a franchise with him. I'm a little worried about Julio and his age, where Michael Thomas is Stop r- you right in the prime. yesterday when you took Aaron Donald right out of the gates, but uh, another reason why I won yesterday. Another you did not win yesterday. Today. Saquon Barkley, how have you overlooked Saquon Barkley? My goodness. I mean, we, we have uh, the injury last year that he suffered against the Buccaneers fairly early in the season and then returned from too quickly. 
quickly, and it hampered him all year long. He didn't have the kind of production that he had as a rookie. We, we've kind of taken because our why eye injury off the ball happened? Is he hurt market. a little bit too? Right, oh, but my yeah. but my point but my point is when a guy's coming back and he's less than 100%, but he's dedicated to the game and his numbers aren't as great as they otherwise would have been, we kind of forget about him. I, I think Saquon Barkley is a guy you definitely build around. He And if you're going to make him the second overall pick in the draft, he's got to be Adrian Peterson. He's got to be the guy that your offense runs through. And the rookie year, it, it took them a while to figure out that they needed to make him the focal point of the offense. But again, it's just like with Tyreek Hill and with Christian McCaffrey. If I'm starting my franchise with those guys – I don't need to have as great of a of a group of players around them if I'm starting with those guys. Yeah, I, I hear you. Now, I mean, you might have to, you know, look for replacements for those running backs three years from now. I get you, you know, because if I drafted the running backs, you'd be like, oh, they're growing on trees. Why would you draft a running back? I know that's what you'd say to me. So I just wanted to say that. I like my team. I spread the wealth a little, too. You know, you got your, you're, you know, run, two running backs. I, I wanted to give the big guys some love. Yeah, well, I could have taken two receivers. I was thinking about Devontae Adams. Oh, uh, you're funny. You're funny. <laughs> you're a real funny guy. Uh. <laughs> Take a break. Antonio Brown is retired, supposedly. Another former pro bowler has also called it quits for real. We'll be back with more right after this. Michael Bennett retiring from the National Football League, played for a bunch of different teams, established himself as a star with the Seattle Seahawks, was uh, with, again, several franchises. Most recently, I believe the Dallas Cowboys. He'd been with the Patriots for a while, Chris. Um, hey, at his best, the best defensive lineman in football. I agreed. I mean, he'll never get the credit he deserves or how awesome he was. I mean, he he really, Mike, is the originator of, you know, my F the play up conversation. You know, 2013, 14, 15, 16, I'm with you. You could argue he was the best defensive player in the game and just didn't have the sacks to go with it to make it a household name. But uh, sorry to see him go. You the man, Michael Bennett. He was the, the red dot guy for the Patriots in Super Bowl 49, right. the guy that they were focused on stopping as best they possibly could, and eventually he would play for the Patriots. That's it for Tuesday's PFD Live. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.